Steve the Cookout Coach, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure you say? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening live fire fun and frivolous show. If you would like to jump in the show this evening to give your hot takes about this hot industry, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up. In about 12 minutes from now, it's the first Tuesday of a brand new month, and that, of course, means visits in this show from two regularly scheduled guests in the first hour, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs Barbecue, the co-creator of How to Barbecue Right, that, of course, being Malcolm Reed in his monthly visit. We'll be talking about the lead-up to Memphis in May, which is shortly. We'll also be talking about... The Mac Rib sandwich that he made. McRib, usually really popular towards the end of the year, typically released in the November ish time frame, if memory serves me correctly. And all of you maniacs that like the McRib, like Rusty Monson from the great state of Utah, goes nuts for it. Malcolm has his own take on it, and he released it here shortly. So, or not long ago, I shouldn't say shortly. He released it not long ago. So we'll talk to him about that recipe and a number of other things as well. There was a social media question that I'll ask him as we close things out that have to do with his cookers or the amount of cookers that he has. That will be Malcolm Reed, 35 past the first hour. Mike Lang from Another Pint Please will rejoin the show. And we have a lot of book talk. This is the kind of year or the type of year where you will find a lot of barbecue and grilling cookbooks coming out. And Mike Lang finds himself amongst the now many live fire cooks that can now call themselves authors as well. So we congratulate Mike on that effort. Soon to be out. You can pre-order. We'll talk about pre-ordering and all that fun stuff and see what else Mike is up to. Then we'll move to the second hour, the other second or first Tuesday of the month. But second regular guest in the first Tuesday of every month is the star of Sam the Cooking Guy on YouTube, regionally out there in the San Diego area, multiple-time author, a 15-time Emmy Award winner, Sam the Cooking Guy, joins me, and we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. I do have an agenda of of a lot of food-specific items, and always know it is in my best intention every single time to talk nothing but food with Sam And most of the time that doesn't happen, but I want you to know with peace and love that that is the forefront actually on both of our minds, believe it or not. We'll see how it goes. Sam, the cooking guy in the second hour, your phone calls and emails welcome as well. Greg at the BBQ central show.com or 216-220-0966. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Insta, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ central show for a live video feed of the show. You can go the Facebook show page, which is slash BBQ Central Show. You can find the same thing on Twitch. 
You can also find one over at YouTube slash RD Rempe. Uh, we're 50% back to the Facebook. I couldn't figure out what was going on with the show page. Evidently, I needed to activate my two-factor authentication. And because I missed the date to do that by, it wouldn't allow me to post videos onto my like live streams onto my show page. But I figured that out earlier this afternoon. What I didn't figure out is for whatever reason now, as I was just getting ready to go launch the side program, which picks up all the Facebook comments and then shows them to me nicely in a list along with the face or along with the YouTube stuff. That doesn't seem to be connected. So if you're commenting on Facebook, well, I normally can see those. I will not see any of those comments here this evening for whatever reason. That doesn't hurt me from a host perspective. I've done all the work and I'm ready to go for all the guests. But if you want me to see something specifically, I would invite you to jump over to the YouTube page. You can go to the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then just hit the YouTube link there and away you go. So let me recount uh, almost a week ago, it will be a week ago tomorrow, I jaunted off to Dallas, Texas. That's where I landed. Had a day job thing over at the Peterbilt plant in Denton, Texas, which is about 30 minutes north and west of Dallas, but flew in. Had a, about a week lead time into figuring that I was going to need to get to Denton in order to meet a customer and answer their questions on some electric vehicle stuff. And I said, well, why don't I shoot a quick note out to friend of show and quarterly guest Daniel Vaughn, who's around that Dallas area. Maybe we could meet up for dinner. He said he was down. What do I want? I suggested Knife because I've only heard about Knife and Dallas and John Tezar, and you got to get there no matter what. And while the weather tried to dampen my mood and the meeting, believe it or not, because we were delayed out of Cleveland because of weather in Dallas. And when I landed, I didn't realize you had to take a tram 20 minutes away from the car rental place. That pissed me off. There was a storm rolling in on the horizon, like Texas textbook storm. And I was pissed and late. And I didn't want to drive in a storm and somewhere where I didn't know. And I was going to ditch the whole thing. And I said, you know what? I'm this close. Who cares? Let's go. So I made the run out to Dallas. And uh, Daniel was there with his buddy because he couldn't ditch the reservation. And he said, hey, uh, let me know when you're on your way. I'll have everything ordered, ready to go. When you hit the table, uh, the steak should be there shortly. And uh, to his word, a 90-day dry-age tomahawk ribeye, probably in the 30-ounce range, was there. And then a grilled short rib, which I have to tell you, might have been, at this exact point in my life, the best piece of beef I have ever had in my life. I didn't get the specifics, and I was in awe as Daniel was telling me about it, but it's originally or initially prepared sous vide. So while the traditional way of doing a beef short rib in the smoker, you find a lot of that fat rendering out of the rib itself and ending up at the bottom of the pit this way, it's melting the fat within the rib, but it's not escaping. And then it's finished over a real hardwood fire, and the two olfactory emanations from that dry-aged tomahawk steak and then the grilled short rib with just a kiss of wood smoke that you could smell on it and they just mixed together and perfumed the outer portions of our dining area and it was just an incredible smell sensation and then to dig into that tomahawk and I know you're thinking maybe 90 days is too much but I really like the funk factor but let me put your mind at ease First of all, as somebody who appreciates a dry age, I found not too much more funk from a 75-day, which I've had. I've had it in 85 as well, to a 90-day dry age. And there was beef that shines through first. And then there was just this static underlying blanket of dry-aged flavor. So there was a great complimentary tasting notes that were happening. And then the grilled short rib was unbelievable. As I had mentioned, you, the sear was perfect on both. And you could taste that wood smoke ever so gently on that beef rib. But it was so tender and fatty in all the right ways. Not globs and strains of fat. Just juicy, coating your tongue, beef-rich flavor. By the way, before I got there, Daniel and his buddy ate a Josh Ozersky burger, cheeseburger, 
which we then followed up for a Josh Ozerski cheeseburger for dessert as well. Have a cheeseburger for dessert much, guys? Yeah. Well, if you go to Knife, don't worry about the real desserts. Get the Ozerski burger, which as I evaluate hamburgers that I've ever had, might be one of the best hamburgers. The blend was incredible. It was so basic and so simple, but it was cooked to perfection. The American cheese on top. I ditched the onions immediately, of course, because I'm no... When it comes to onions, I'm not going to be contradictory to myself in that regard. I love to live in hypocrisy, but not when it comes to that. And I don't know if I should be bragging about this or not. At the end of the night, while I did offer to pay, Chef John Tezar picks up the check. More because of who I was with, I would imagine. And as I extracted myself out of the situation, because company can elevate a dining experience, of course, the people that you're with, the conversations that you're having. But as much as I tried to extract that portion out, the food on its own stood up. It was unbelievable. The best meat experience currently. So now we sit knife RPM in Chicago, St. Elmo's three. And knife might be pulling away a bit at this point. It's really good. All right. We are ready to go. Malcolm Reed is in the green room. Hopefully I've made him hungry with my steak review. By the way, thanks to Chef John Tizar for picking that up. He didn't know I was going to be there, but I'm working to get him on the show as well. Let me talk to you quickly about Yoder Smokers. That's right. Yoder Smokers designs and builds all their products in the USA, building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service, being the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can truly bespoke style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. They're honored to have trusted places in the backyards of America. From pellet cookers to wood-filed offset pits and charcoal grills, consistent blue ribbon flavor have become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and our team has developed our cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that is rooted in the handmade products that define the integrity of the core values of Yoder Smokers. American-made quality, endless flavor are the benchmarks of Yoder Smokers. You can check them out right now when you visit the website yodersmokers.com and grab yours today, whether you like pellets or charcoal grill or big-ass offset like Michael Simon uses, who is native here to Cleveland. He has a Cimarron, I believe it is. So check it out, yodersmokers.com. That's yodersmokers.com. And we'll be back with first Tuesday of the month <laughs> month, and first hour regular guest, Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Well, that's right. If you were listening at the end of the show last week, you know, we have some giveaways going on here this evening. Here's the latest release from third Tuesday of the month. Regular guest Stephen Reichlin, how to grill vegetables. Want your chance to win this sweet ass book for zero dollars and zero cents. Shipping's on me. And yes, if you want me to sign Stephen's book for you, because we do that. I will do that. All you have to do is send me an email, be the first one in, and in the subject line, put grilled veggies. I don't even care if you spell it right this time. Email, first one in, greg at the BBQ Central Show. Grilled veggies in the subject line, and you can win Stephen Reichland's new book. Good luck to you. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans, 
and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit BBQGuru.com for more information or to call 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. My first guest this evening is always my first guest here on the first Tuesday of every month. You can find him blowing it up on the live fire side of YouTube with 1.23 million YouTube subscribers. As of earlier this afternoon, we race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Malcolm Reed. Hey, Malcolm. What's happening, Greg? Happy May the 4th. Happy May the 4th. That means one more day, and we are in the middle of Cinco de Mayo. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to go. and Get ready. I'm always ready. Yeah, that's right. La Siesta, have your name on it tomorrow night, Malcolm? Oh, you, uh, man, if we could get in the door, I don't know. I may, I may have talked about it too much. <laughs> have you become the mouthpiece of, uh, of what's the name of it? La Siesta. La Siesta. But yeah, but you said it. Yeah, Hernando, the Hernando branch. Yes. Oh, are there many La Siestas? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they have a few here in town, or, you know, in the, in the side of county. Well, you know, Memphis area, so. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, what's your favorite dish there? Uh, Polo tapatillas with shrimp. I add shrimp to it. So it's basically like a fajita skillet where they do uh, mushrooms, uh, onions, chicken breast, cover it with cheese, add shrimp, top it with bacon. Serve it with like a guac salad and all that. It's good stuff. Right. No doubt about it. Sounds absolutely amazing. We're talking with Malcolm Reed here as we are anxiously awaiting Cinco de Mayo uh, mañana, by the way, for my friends that speak <laughs> Spanish. So uh, in case you were wondering, Malcolm, no ill effects on the Reaper Jerky Challenge from last month. And by the way, I got through most of the bag through the balance of the show last month. So there was, uh, you know, our segment was a little rough. I think it caught me a couple different times with the choke cough. It is now living in infamy through audio archive. But I, I reached a point where everything seemed to really flatten out, and I got after it a little bit. A uh, couple more catches in the second hour when I was talking with Sam, the cooking guy. But I think by and large, I've learned two things. It gets really hot. It takes a little while to build. But all in all, it's a really good product. The, you know what I like is the flavor of it because the heat just kind of creeps on you after you've ate a piece of it. But as far as the flavor goes, it's really, really good stuff. I had dinner. pain. Yeah, well, pain is something else. So as I just mentioned in the open, I had had dinner with Daniel Vaughn last Wednesday night, and I was talking about my Reaper challenge with him. And he said that he could eat the whole bag like pretty quickly. And I was like, hey, you know, I might have said similar things that earned me a bag of reaper jerky so he seems to be uh, full with testicular fortitude should we send him a bag and have him tape himself eat it quickly most definitely yeah. most definitely I've, hey, I've got some new i need to did I, I didn't get to send you a reaper shirt i don't think i had them no but i've got the fear the reaper shirts to go with it so i'm gonna i'm gonna send you one and then right. give me his uh, information i'd definitely like to send him somebody right. to yes. try we'll see what the texas monthly barbecue editor is really made out of uh, that being daniel <laughs> vaughn so uh all right so let's talk a little bit about the palmer home that's a a fundraiser that you've gotten behind here over the last uh, month and a half or so and something that i've tried to help champion the cause on. So where are we at uh, total wise? And do we have a uh, end date that we're shooting for that we need to have donations in by? Well, first off, Greg, I want to say thank you to you and your listeners because y'all really stepped up. And uh, yeah, so far we've raised uh, right at $7,000, which is almost our halfway mark. And, and we're shooting for, um, I think around labor day, something like that to end it. Then we're going to pick a date to where we're going to have, you know, our little, contest we have going where the top people that donated are, are going to get to come out and hang out with us and i want you to come too man i want to try to work with your schedule so we can get you down here to hernando oh yeah don't worry about it i'm going to be ready and i told troy that if uh, you know we were in there and, and we were you know two of the top five, i mean who knows uh what people might be bringing here at the end to grab a spot but uh, i i definitely wanted to be a part of that and see what see what all happens so Actually, uh, I'm very happy to to figure it out with you guys, uh, no matter what that looks like. And, you know, I was really, part of me was hoping against hope that as I lay the challenge down that somebody would step up and, and come up with $1,000. I mean, I was really surprised in a great way that one of the listeners was like, you know what, it, it would be great to hang out with Malcolm. It would be great to hang out with you, uh, me, uh, for a weekend. 
But in the end, as I'm reading through it, I, I realize how great of a cause the Palmer home is. So even if it, if, even if I don't end up being one of the top five, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm happy to help out in this way. But I was, I was really shocked that putting the call out, but I guess it just shows that we, uh, you know, both of us share a pretty fervent and supportive fan base. That's right, man. You know, it's all, anytime we can help out kids at the Palmer home, we try to. And I think, you know, just with people supporting us and helping us out with that cause too, it's really a good thing. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't thank everybody enough that's, you know, that's donated anything because there's, there's no amount too small that, that these kids won't appreciate. Malcolm Reed joins us here on the show. How to BBQ com is the website. Of course, I have a question that came in via the tweeter from Paul. And he wanted me to ask you, Greg, ask Malcolm if he and Jolene have filed for divorce since all of the offset oh. cooking is now done on the outlaw and he's spurning Jolene for the outlaw at Memphis in May. What happened to his side piece? Uh, I still got Miss Jolene. She's at the house right now, sitting in the garage, t- taken well care of. I promise you. Now look, no, you know. It's a weird thing, right? I mean, you're a guy who has many different cookers. I Actually, I just watched the video where you kind of toured uh, across all your videos. You had done it a while back. And it's uh, you know something that not all of us are accustomed to, but when you have at least one of most of the ways that you can barbecue or grill on your patio, it becomes not an issue of what you're going to use, but you know, why are you going to use it or which one are you going to use this one and what's the purpose for it? So how do you go about deciding which cookers you use? Well, I'd really just try to mix it up for the, for the everyday guy that's, that's cooking barbecue. I realize that not, not everybody has access to all the different pits. So I try to work one of each type in there, whether it's cooking on a drum or on the Weber or on a stick burner or on pellet grills uh, on the egg, you know, I, I just try to, to keep it interesting and, and prove that, uh, you know, just with a good technique, you can cook just about everything I cook on any type of grill. It doesn't really matter as long as you can control the fire and the heat. Uh, that's the main thing. So that's why I kind of do it. So just to show that you can cook on just about anything. If somebody came up to you and said, hey, Malcolm, I know you're not using this grill or that grill, or it looks like you're not using this grill or that grill. Can I buy it off of you as it does uh, while you love them like kids, do they all have a price? Uh, no, they're not oh. for sale. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, you know, if somebody wanted to buy my Weber, I could probably part with my Weber. But, but, but yeah, I try. They're like, I don't know. It's like a part of the family. It's like my guns. I don't sell. I don't sell the what guns I have. I don't sell those. I kind of hang on to them. I hang on to my pits the same way, man. Understandable, no doubt about it. And you have some great looking pits. We're talking with Malcolm Reed. All right, Malcolm. So we are, you know, a few short days or so away from Memphis in May 2021. Uh, we were debating whether or not this was actually going to happen, but obviously it is. And it's going to look a little bit different. Have you learned anything else about attendance and team count that you can share with us at the moment? Um, I think we're at about 100. A little under 150 total teams. Um, from what I've heard, there's, I think, 60-plus uh, rib teams, 40-plus shoulder teams, and 30-plus hog teams, something like that, uh, give or take a few. But, uh, you know, it's it's at least half, it seems like, of what the normal numbers are. Um, you know, we're here, and they're going to you know be pretty strict about access, and they're only selling pre-tickets in advance, no tickets at the gate. You're going to have to wear a mask when you're in – public areas or areas where it's not possible to social distance still. Um, you know, we're going to be capped at the number of people we can have in our booths at a certain time, depending on the size of your booth. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, it's going on, and we're still going to have a good time and, and make the best of it just to, to be out there cooking some barbecue. Now, as I listen to the How to Barbecue Right podcast, I know you have been deep in practice for Memphis in May. So where's the rib program at right now? And then are there any things that you have tried at the out start of this practicing to where you are at now where you realized, hey, I'm glad we made this change. This is going to put us in the best position. Well, what we really did was we set out to nail that tenderness or that doneness score. We wanted to get the texture right on our ribs. We know that flavor is subjective as long as we cook a, a decent tasting. You know, we, we've got some good products that we use for rubs and sauces 
the glaze we put on at the end. But, um, you know, when it comes down to it, you, you don't know what someone's flavor is going to be like. You just hope that you cook something that's not too offensive, that stands out, out a little bit better than the next guy. But tenderness is one of those things where you absolutely have to nail. So um, we've we've been working hard on protecting the backside of the ribs, figuring out ways to cook them to where they're perfectly done, uh, figuring, you know, a little bit of a rest time in there to kind of give them time to come back together since we've kind of nuked them on the, uh, the pit a little when we wrap them up to get them to the tender stage. And, you know, it's just uh, little, little uh, tweaks that we really think we've nailed down. We've really got our timeline down when we're going to fire the pit up, what temperatures we're going to hold it at while we're smoking. When we wrap, we let it creep up a little bit. We know the ins and outs of how long it's going to take us to prepare all 18 racks because we're, we're cooking 18 racks of ribs that day. Oh. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's a process that we've kind of got it to where we can do it in our sleep now. Um, I've got a good group of guys cooking with me now. And, uh, you know, it's me and Waylon, uh, Mark Williams from Swan Life, a buddy named Brian from, um, from uh, here local with us and uh, Jay Craig from Outlaws coming down to hang out. Of course, Shell will be there, and it's just going to be a big time. Some of those guys that you had mentioned right off the top of Whalen, Mark, um, these are pretty accomplished cooks, pit masters in their own right. So as you load into, let's say, Team Killer Hog, is this Malcolm's team and you are directing, or is there a lot of uh, equality and input in that way? How does this work from your team's camp we work we work at it from everybody's equal i mean my, you know we all have our our, our uh, parts that we're going to play um i you know of course when it comes down to sitting down with the judges and trying to to sell those ribs of being the best in the world that day that's going to follow me for the most part but uh we've all you know got our 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 parts that we're going to play wayland's kind of our box expert he's got those architectural skills where he can he can really finesse the box to where it looks good he's kind of uh you know that's his thing, and then uh, Mark's just a heck of a guy running a pit. So um, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. What is your level of expectation given everything that's happened? You miss out on Memphis in May last year. You come back this year in, in a different way. I mean, the competition is certainly going to still be the same and a similar mindset, but it's not like you've been out burning the competition trail up to get some under your belt here before Memphis in May happens. So, what's your expectation of finish or how you think you want to do? Well, you know, we we hope to get in the top ten. That's that's. I don't think that's without you know uh, a reasonable <laughs> try. I think we could pull off a top ten if we you know if we're going to be the best that day. Who knows? Uh, it's going to take a lot of luck too. But I feel like we got a really good rib, and uh, you know, we're, we had a good rib in nineteen. Um, you know, we fell a little bit short of the top ten, but um, we just want to see some improvement on what we did and. And get that rib up there. Just I feel like if we got one in there, we got a shot. So you you put me in front of some judges, we can get some good ribs in the box. I feel like I can you know explain the way we cook them as good as anybody. So, but it's gonna take some luck. So you have some internet celebrity, no doubt about it. If you make finals and you get the on-site judging, does your status in your mind help or hurt you? Well, I don't know if it. I'd, I'd like to think it maybe it helps a little bit, but most of those judges are not, you know, when they pick their finals judges, they're not, they're not coming in biased at any means. I mean, they're, you know, they're seeing the, some of the world's best that day. I'm, I'm going up against the, you know, the Tuffy Stones, the uh, Chris Lillies, the Myrons, Melissa Cookstons, uh, Mark Lamberts, all those guys that are, that are in there year after year. So they're, they're, they've got as much notoriety or more than I, than I do. So. Uh, but I think it can't hurt a little bit. <laughs> you throw me in there. So maybe here's a better question. Um, not necessarily does it work maybe against you from a judge's perspective, but having now the experience behind the camera, knowing that you know when action is called that you have to be on, you got your wrap down. I mean, you can tell that you have a, a Malcolm personality here on this show, and it's a different Malcolm when you watch you on the cooking videos. Do you think doing that now gives you an even better presentation skill when they do the onsite judging? I, I definitely think it helps to sit down and talk to somebody when I'm putting in front of them. You know, there was there was a time when I started out doing the Memphis and May style contest where I was, you know, su super nervous. It's just nature of it. You know, somebody's sitting down there and you're trying to explain to them, and you got to you got to be part salesman in that. And that's something that I've never really excelled at. I didn't ever consider myself any kind of a salesman, but being comfortable talking about food, talking about barbecue in particular, is something that I do all the time now. So that kind of comes second nature 
to me. And I try to read off that judge. If, if they want to joke and laugh and have a good time, I kind of turn that on. But if they want to be serious and know every little detail, I get that way with them. And then if they're not giving you anything, I try to loosen them up the best I can without pissing them off. <laughs> 18 racks. Uh, is that all staggered through the course of the day then? So if you get to this stage, then you have some that are almost there. How does that whole process work? Yeah, you know, so in Memphis and May, you've got a preliminary, you've got a blind box first that you turn in, and then they follow that up with three on-site judges coming 15 minutes apart. So you have to kind of stagger your ribs, and then if you make it through that preliminary round, you've got to have a round of finals judges. So you don't want to hold those ribs the, the whole time, so we're going to kind of stagger the finals. That way we have some that are that are just as good as what we put in the blind box. That's the whole goal. Wow. So, and we won't have a good choice, you know, when it comes down to, to giving it to a judge or putting it in the box, it's got to be perfect. So we'll have some calls. We'll have a little bit of wiggle room in case something just, you know, doesn't feel right. We can go to the next one and hopefully, hopefully get enough to, to put us up there. If you win the whole thing this year, Malcolm, does that easily become the biggest competition win you've seen as killer Hawks? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, we, um, I've had I've had some pretty good ones, but I've never won one of the big world you know championships, the Royal, the Rodeo, or anything, the Jack, anything like that. So that definitely would be a huge, huge accomplishment to me. And it's always been a goal since Memphis and May's been in our backyard, and you know we kind of grew up in the shadows of watching guys win that and competed in it so many years. I, I, you know, I, before I quit, I want to get one at least. Uh, so two weeks from tomorrow, or or a week from tomorrow, I guess it was supposed to be tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be doing another live show here on the Barbecue Central show because it's Barbecue Hall of Fame time of year. So we're going to be announcing the nine names that make the list of which three will end up making that class of 2021, which we'll then announce two weeks after that, I think it is. Do you have anybody that you would like to see or anybody that you would nominate to uh, get into the Hall of Fame this year? Well, a lot of uh, a lot of my friends are already in. Yes, of but course. Uh, just you know, <laughs> thinking of it, I mean, you know, Kent Black, his his father Edgar Junior, Edgar Senior, that would be good. Any of those guys would be a great choice. Um, I mentioned Mark Lambert. Man, he's done it. He's done a lot in barbecues. Um, he's he's multiple time winner in Memphis and May. You know, won at the Royal, won at the Livestock. Been the president of the MBBQA. You know, he's he's just an instrumental guy in barbecue. Does a lot of work with OBR, different organizations. He would be a good choice. He's a buddy of mine. Uh, Miss Candy Weaver. She's been president of the KCBS you know, a couple of times, and she's been a woman pitmaster out there on her own. Uh, doing it, um, you know, on pellet grills. She's she's instrumental in, in her company that makes barbecuers delights pellets. Yeah. I think uh, she'd be a good choice. But uh, you know, th- those are some of my, uh, my friends that I think I would vote for. Would you care to get in at some point, or could you not care less? Uh, you know, I, I mean, yeah, it'd be it'd, it'd be a big honor if they put you in. You know, if, if you know other people in barbecue recognize you as being somebody that's. Um, you know, instrumental in, in, in our world. So I think it would be a good honor. I, I don't know if I ever will, but, but uh, you know, it'd, it'd be cool. So the last couple How to Barbecue Right episodes, I've noticed that you've had guests, people calling in. You had a Matt Pittman episode, and then recently you just had a Nick Mangold. For folks that don't know who Nick is, he played for the New York Jets. Uh, actually, before the New York Jets, he was an Ohio State Buckeye. Thank you where he had a prolific college career, but then uh, graduated, went to the Jets, played there for 14 years, was all pro any number of years, and has just started uh, getting into the barbecue sauce business. And you had him on as a guest. Uh, long way to go to ask, what's it like going from having the show that you had had for all those seasons to now also mixing in Malcolm the Host, where you research and you ask questions and you have to move the conversation along? Well, that's all new to me. <laughs> So, you know, just like you said, my, my shows kind of, we just hang out and talk about whatever we want to talk about. And Shell kind of, you know, comes up with questions and things. But um, Nick Mangold's, uh, I don't know if it was him or his representative contacted us and asked us about coming on the podcast. And I was like, you know, that's great. If he wants to travel to Hernando, we'd love to have him on. He's like, no, 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 he wants to do a video. And I was like, well, we don't, you know, we don't really do that. Let's see if we can figure it out. 
And so the first one we did was with Matt was a test to see if it would work. And so we're figuring, you know, I need to, I need to pull you to the side and get some tips on how to make that better because, you know, and, and, I, and I've got you on the, the, sh- the very short list to be on. I hadn't hit you up for it, so I guess, you know. Why don't we wait and see if I actually get down to Hernando there in a handful of months? We'll just do it live right there in your studio. Uh, oh, we're doing that most yeah. definitely. That's no going to be. We may we may do the Facebook live. We may do the podcast. <laughs> we may, I may get you behind the grill, Greg. <laughs> hey, I'll do it. No doubt about it. I make a really mean pork tenderloin sandwich on a hamburger bun that will impress zero people. But I'll do it. I'm really good at it. No doubt. All right. So uh, you can check out Malcolm over at his website, howtobbqright.com. Of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can find him right here on the first Tuesday of every month talking barbecue and grilling. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, and we'll talk to you again in June. Hey, that's right, man. Uh, <laughs> this year's flying by, Greg. No doubt. Wish us luck at Memphis in May. Hopefully I'll have something good to report when we come back next month. We'll talk Thank about you. that world championship when we talk to you in June. There he is, Malcolm Reed, right there. He knows that show karma attaches, of course. You show up on the show, the next time you go out, whatever competition it may be, his happens to be members of May, you win. Melissa Cookston used to come on the show the Tuesday before Memphis in May. She would then go and compete, and she won. Surprise? Hardly. So Malcolm will be your next Memphis in May world champion, and we'll talk to him about it in June about the great revelry and windfall financially to follow him after the big win. Let me talk to you quickly about Cosmos Q before we get over to Mike Lang, who's in the green room. Based out of Oklahoma, Cosmos Q has been providing both backyard and competition cooks with world championship quality rub sauces, injection soaks, and brines. Their exclusive wing dust is also available right now. Best of all, everything they make here in the United States is with, done with all natural ingredients. Cosmos Q continuing to break new ground in the rubs, seasonings, sauce, and injection world. And the results are not only proven in the competition trail year after year, but also proven in backyards as well. More and more backyard warriors looking to step up that backyard barbecue game. There's no better, easier way to do that than by picking world championship quality rubs, sauces, injections, and marinades. Now... That's exactly what Cosmos Q will bring to your table, but it's not just the barbecue game that's covered. It's the grilling game. Whole line of products that amp up the grill game. Cosmos knows what we talking about when it comes to live fire grilling because he's a world championship steak cook as well. Now, you want to save some money? Sure you do. Go on to the website, Cosmos Q. That's Cosmos with a K, the letter Q.com, K-O-S-M-O-S-K, no, Q.com, CosmosQ.com. And then as you are getting ready to check out, you can use promo code SPRINGBBQ10. That's SPRINGBBQ10, all one word together, SPRINGBBQ10. You get 10% off your entire order. When you visit CosmosQ.com, the website, loading in the rubs, the sauces, the injections, the soaks, and all that good stuff. CosmosQ.com, SPRINGBBQ10. To save 10% off, we're back with Mike Lang right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. We give stuff away People give us stuff on the show To give away No money for you That's why it's free Send an email on its way When I tell you to That's why we give stuff away Hey, we got another giveaway, that's right it was Stephen Reichland's book. By the way, we congratulate Alan on winning the book. Alan, send me your shipping info in another email. It says book winner in the subject line, and I will get that hammered out to you. However, this go-around, you have a chance to win this sweet little, uh, little drink koozie. Malcolm in May. That's Malcolm right there. He's got a big tomahawk steak. You can see his rubs right there underneath his arm. Let's get... Life's too short to cook bad barbecue. It's autographed. It's a drink koozie, ladies and gentlemen, but it's really special because it says Malcolm in May, and we are in May. If you want that very singular, special gift, 
shoot me an email and in the subject line put Malcolm and May. Subject line of an email, Malcolm and May, Greg at the BBQ Central First one in wins it. Good luck. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. If you prefer to buy at Amazon.com, you can do that as well. It's CookinPellets.com. My next guest is one of the most respected live fire cookers and Instagrammers and bloggers out there today. Loves cooking with his fleet of Webbers. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline as we welcome in new book author and friend of show, Mike Lang. Hey, Mike. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm great and appreciate you making time. You look fantastic. You got a great camera set. I mean, look, I don't know how to let... Some of the other guests know, but I'm not talking about the regular guests. But from a, a guy who I would say shows up, uh, you know, infrequently, you mm-hmm. really have quite a setup. Great camera. The lighting is great. A microphone. You really know what it's like. You should be consulting on how to be a guest on these kind of shows. <laughs> well, thank you very much. You know, I'm kind of a nerd at heart. So when it comes to things like this, uh, spending time with you, I always want to make it look good. And, you know, uh, that's the best way to approach it. How's it going to look good? And I think it represents what I do and everything else. Mike, as with any successful live uh, live fire personality, a book deal seems to find them or they do one. And then I have them on the show and try to get them to divulge the filthiest of details (laughs) and deals and payments and back end points, private jet usage and so forth. So before we get into that stuff, uh, tell me how the book deal came about. Uh, an email. Uh, it's funny. I've been approached before, and I'm sure a lot of folks have been in my same situation where, you know, you get a random email. Hey, I like your blog. I like your Instagram account. How about writing a book on XYZ? And I've had a couple in the past, and both times the ideas pitched just, I knew they weren't me. So I always, you know, politely refused. This offer came through, and it was probably the most thoughtful worded offer I had received. I mean, really did a deep dive into what my content was and what I believed in. And of course, pitched grilling and beer, which is a really easy low bar for me to get over. Uh, So, you know, I thought about it and negotiated terms and lo and behold, I've got printed books that showed up at the house and it's happened. Now you've been approached before, but have you always wanted to write a cookbook? I think I've known somewhere it's been deep inside me. And I think a lot of things, you know, it's like with anything in life, you see people and a lot of tremendous people that I respect that have published books and you always think, man, I'd love to do that, but can I do that? And I've learned, you know, after 25 years in law enforcement and public safety and public service that when you have things that are given to you as a possibility, and if it scares the hell out of you, then those are things you should probably do. So this scared the hell out of me to put out something that I felt was, you know, top notch for, for me uh, and that was beautifully photographed or had beautiful photography in it. And, you know, I said, I'm going to do it. And, you know, as things tend to go, it, it seems to have worked out so far till people read it, you know. <laughs> Does leaving some kind of legacy pieces for others to find in the future play a part at all in wanting to do this as well? I don't think so. I tend not to look over my shoulder in life. I tend to look forward. Uh, So it's a matter of me in the moment and accomplishing something and checking something off my own list in terms of testing myself and and pushing myself further. Because we all sit still and play to our strengths. Where are we going to go? So no, it's a matter that I was able to do it. I'm proud of it. You know, it's not unlike the feeling I was lucky, uh, really fortunate to write some articles in Sports Illustrated a few years back. I think we talked about it at the time. And just friends, you know, from college that would see it in an airport and, you know, one, make fun of me because I have zero sporting ability and was writing in Sports Illustrated. But, you know, to talk about grilling uh, in a different format and to reach people, that spoke to me. So to put a book out, I think it was a natural extension of that. And it's it was hard experience, uh, but uh, I think hopefully a rewarding one. Mike Lang joining me here on the show from another pint, please. Uh, Mike, how did the book writing process go for you? How did you find it? Uh, at times painful. It's funny. I listened back to the, uh, the diva Q, uh, 10 minutes or less, uh, and her talking about her process. And yeah. I could relate to 
absolutely all of that. Mm. Uh, and I was lucky to, to uh, uh, contribute some to Jamie Provience's last cookbook uh, that he did for Weber. And so I had a kind of a sneak peek as far as what that process was like, but you know, it's, it's hard. I think the recipes aren't that difficult as compared to writing those intro bits of prose where you'd, you wax philosophically about the origin of chicken tenders uh, or jalapeno <laughs> poppers, you know, Thankfully, I, I like writing about things, so it wasn't as bad as it could be. But those things and timelines and pressure can can take a toll. Plus, you know, still working full time and really working, yeah. you know, two to three jobs. It's it's a lot to undertake. So how long did it take from start to getting the final pages into the editor and then to print? Uh, probably about, geez, almost nine months. Well, that's less than I anticipated. I figured maybe uh, well into a year and a half, potentially. Yeah, I think the final, well, I should say the final manuscript was approved in January and the whole thing started back in March of last year, mm-hmm. ironically during COVID, which had, you know, oh, I didn't have any free time extra because of the pandemic. Yeah. I simply had the offer and and, and ran with it. Uh, but yeah, incredibly, you know, just wonderful editor and the designer on the book was absolutely amazing. I just, when I first saw the design, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. I'm really proud to have my name on that. And of course, also to supply all the photographs for it, which is what I love to do is, you know, capture live fire cooking, uh, to have another outlet for that in print, uh, just, it it meant a lot to me. Was there a big push on pre-sale? Uh, as you had mentioned, you would listen to the best of from DVQ. That was four years ago. I remember Mm -hmm. when I was talking with Sam, the cooking guy at some point last year when he had a book coming out, there was, you know, an incredible value placed on pre-orders. Uh, is that part and parcel of doing any kind of book business at this point? Do, do they want to see the numbers move on Amazon? No, not in my situation. In fact, mine may be a little bit different or maybe not. It, essentially, it's a work for hire, which I think is a way a lot of these things go anymore. So in essence, you're paid for your work. Uh, there's no royalties involved because the book, you know, they're taking a chance on an unknown factor. You know, I'm able to take a good picture, but maybe my book's not compelling. Maybe it doesn't sell. So, you know, I'm comfortable with the terms we agreed to uh, and for the work I put in for it and what I get out of it, especially with the the rights to my photographs. But uh, no, so you're paid in draws for the work to be done. And then they still work with you on publicity. And of course, I just, I, I created something, so I, I want to share it. And I've been truly overwhelmed by, you know, my friends and followers uh, online that have reached out and want copies and have pre-ordered them through me or through any of the major retailers. I mean, it's available where books are sold, as the saying goes. Uh, but in terms of what that pressure is to make it work now, I mean, I kind of might do my own publicity because I enjoy that sort of thing, talk about something fun that I think people will enjoy, you know, especially with Father's Day coming up. Uh, not to plug, you know, buying a book for Father's Day, but good idea (laughs) and but you know i also feel too this is not this was a perfect opportunity for me but also it sets the stage to realize number one i can do it and number two what's next Uh, and so much to have learned about the process about me that i think it's one of those things that you take that first leap once again looking down the road not looking backwards and seeing you know where it can go and that's that's kind of what i what i hope to do Uh, i'm trying to remember to ask you a follow-up question to that but i wanted to ask this first uh, as we get past this from a, a a compensation standpoint, so you're paid like a, an advance, and then you're paid some point in the middle, and then uh, as the book drops, is that you know somewhere in that neighborhood of how the schedule yeah. goes? Then, yeah, mine was two draws. It's one in the okay. very beginning, and then at the very end, uh, bookend, so to speak, yep. uh, when everything's complete and signed off on. All right, and then there's no sales figures that you would then eclipse where you've kind of paid off yourself on those, and then you get a percentage of something else after the fact. No, I mean, it's kind of a gamble, a gamble on both parts. You know, it's a gamble on theirs that all the work and effort they put into it, which was sizable for sure. Um, it's a, a subsidiary of uh, Macmillan Press um, or, you know, or I lose that it does really, really well um, and they benefit from it. Hmm. But nonetheless, that's all data and facts and statistics that I can then carry forward to my next project. It's all about, you know, stair stepping and, and building to what's next. So let's say that's somebody's like. listening and. They're they're finding themselves in a similar situation. Um, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's business savvy is different, and everybody's point of importance is different. So, how do you figure out what makes doing this worth it to you? I'm not talking about any of the other stuff we were talking about. I'm t- strictly financially, because at some point it comes down to just the finances. Uh, because you have time that you're going to be putting into it. So what makes it right for you? How do you figure that out? 
I think in the very beginning, I mean, for me, time is my ultimate commodity because I truly these, these days, I'm blessed for so much great work and I don't have a lot of time left to do other side projects. Uh, so to me, it was, is the amount of time I know that I can put into it worth what it's going to be not to make, you know, six digit money, but is the amount of time I put into it worth it? So when I'm done, I can feel accomplished, not feel that my time was robbed, but feel I more or less break even. And that's kind of how I came into it. Uh, Meathead said that the first book that he wrote was great and wonderful and terrible and it was a great rousing success. Uh, you know, I think it's been rated as one of the 10 best like books ever, maybe uh, through Amazon. And then uh, proceeded to tell me after release, if I ever talk about writing a second book, kill me immediately. <laughs> and then, you know, like months later, he announced that he had just secured a deal to write a second book, which has never seen the light of day since, which I knew was going to happen. But uh, I mean, are you are you good with the fact that if uh, like are you well let me ask a better question are you in talks about another book then at this point no i've not gotten yeah. that far yet i'm just <laughs> i'm looking at this one out there first and people see it and engage the reaction um and kind of go from there but uh, do you have an yet. idea for a second book if it were to come uh i think something more in depth um this is a great fun collection of recipes. A lot of things that I've made through the years that are a little bit different than, you know, what you would normally have. Um, and of course, beer pairings along the way. Uh, but I think, you know, just a, a more in-depth look of grilling because, you know, everyone always wants to answer to a question on how to do something. And I think to present it in a beautifully photographed um, manuscript is, is one of the ways to do that. Uh, Mike Lang joining us here on the show from Another Pint, please, talking about his book, which is called The One Beer Grilling. Right? That's right. I'm guessing your package did not arrive. No, it didn't. Otherwise, I would be showing out. Look, the, the mail both is... in the same state. The mail... Yeah, I mean, over the last year, that has mattered zero, <laughs> uh, evidently, to our, uh, to our pals there at the post office. But nevertheless, so you had just mentioned Jamie Provines a couple minutes ago. Mm. Uh, Perhaps we are amidst the newest version of a Jamie Provence. Has he called you to politely warn you to stay off his turf? <laughs> no, no, no. I would never. Those are <laughs> shoes that are impossible to fill. I wouldn't even dream of it. Uh, so as a potential buyer or reader of this book, what can we expect from the collection? To be made hungry. I mean, I keep going back to the photographs because it's funny. I remember when I first got Stephen uh, Reichlin's Barbecue Bible, I love that book. And it was, of course, there were no photographs in it. I mean, this was back in the what mid nineties. Yeah. And I would just thumb through it and I was taken in by what was there. And now knowing that when I go to buy a cookbook, I want to see amazing photographs because in the morning when I'm thinking about the rest of my day, that's what's going to inspire me for dinner or for lunch or for a midnight snack. So that's one of the things I, I hope truly brings people in. They may not want to make, um, whatever. I can't even think of anything. I'll call it Hawaiian burger. Let's say, cause they hate pineapple, but the picture just hits them such. They think, you know what? I'm buying some pineapple, damn it. And I'm grilling a pineapple burger. Uh, and if that happens and it's someone that's not super grill savvy, that means the world to me. Uh, Mike, I asked Malcolm last segment about the barbecue hall of fame next Wednesday. We'll be announcing the nine semifinalists or uh, the, the list of nine where three will then make up the class. Do you have three people that you would, like to nominate if you were on the committee or people you would just like to see get in no matter what? Uh, well, I think Malcolm for one, yeah. um, Malcolm you know, I mean, it, it's funny too. I mean, all this focus on him, so many friends that are just people that grill casually aren't into it. His name and his influence comes up so much. It is absolutely phenomenal. And you look at the impact and the reach and the passion that he has. That's the kind of person to me that should be in that sort of position. So I uh, just moved into this neighborhood and uh, last summer and I had my Traeger out front, Green Mountain Grill out front. They were both going. This guy just stops by and we were casually chatting it up and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, you should go on to YouTube and uh, watch this guy. I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah. I was like, who? He said, uh, Malcolm Reed. I was like, oh, never heard of him. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, his his influence spans yeah. uh, very, very far reaching. Uh, my couple last questions here before I let you go, and I appreciate the time. Uh, you know, you're a guy who likes uh, the Van Buren room and uh, eating out mm. from time to time, and it's not always about cooking something on the grills in your backyard. Do you hear folks talking about 
wanting to go back to that in your part of the world, or have you seen a, a switch? Whoa, whoa, hold on one second. I've blown my time there. Um, have you seen a switch into uh, the norm where it will be an occasion to go out as we move forward, or do you think that people will rapidly get back to how it was prior to last March? That's a good question. I mean, I struggle myself because, I mean, as you mentioned, there's a great craft cocktail bar here in Dayton called the Van Buren Room, which I was going to weekly yeah. pre-COVID, and I probably have only been a handful of times since then. Um, I think it'll probably happen gradually. Uh, and to me, it's not a matter of not feeling comfortable or safe. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, when, when things change, you get into different rhythms. Uh, you stay in those rhythms until something pulls you out of it. Uh, and I think it'll happen, but I just I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Last question before I let you go. In your expert opinion, and I know there's a few factors into this, but what's the best gun to carry for concealed? <laughs> uh, I enjoy carrying. I've got a, a Glock 45 9mm single stack. It's pretty small. If you carry a larger Glock, I carry a 23 at work. It's the same weapon system, so you're comfortable with it. I can't, I'm not of the mind of changing things up. Keep it simple, keep it stupid. Or keep it simple, stupid. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's what I enjoy to carry. It's just, it's lightweight, small, easy to conceal in your waistband. Uh, you know, it works works well. I recommend it. A lot of people talk about throwing large brass down range or having a man stopping power. Uh, what's the the real life thought on that? You know, if you're carrying a gun um, concealed uh, as an average citizen, you're basically carrying what I call a belly gun. You know, you're going to only pull that gun out if you are in fear of your life or protecting somebody else's and you intend to use it. Uh, it's not for a, a long distance shot necessarily. Um, you know, you can't imagine every situation, but in most realistically, it's going to be something is an immediate threat to your life, which is defensible and you're going to use it. So no, it's something that's small, compact, that's going to stop somebody. And that could be a much smaller weapon too, uh, but it's simply a small frame gun that's going to protect you or somebody else and your life depends upon it. Uh, forget about your life. Go out and buy this damn book already <laughs> that Mike Lang has written. It's One Beer Grilling. You can find it wherever books are sold. And uh, this technically like flies on the 11th, correct? It's still pre-order at the moment? That's correct. If you order it through uh, my website, if you, for some reason, want me to sign it uh, a little bit past that, uh, but yes, uh, pre-order should ship on May 11th. All right. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Pre-order it now. And we thank Mike Lang for joining us here on the show. Uh, success with the book, my friend, and we'll follow up with you soon. Thanks, Greg. Always so good to see you. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. There he is. Mike Lang right there. Another pint, please. So go get that book. You know you want to get it. One beer grilling. Yes. We love that. By the way, we congratulate Darwin Carlson for winning the Malcolm and May koozie. Darwin, send me your shipping info, and in the subject line, put koozie winner. I don't know how to spell koozie myself, but you can figure it out. Continuing to produce incredibly now, hold mediocre on. content. Now, hold on a second here. There we go. Let's all get on the same track. Mike said he would. Uh, he said he was a little past signing the book, so that's all right. Now let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue and grilling. Thirteen perfectly balanced flavors of rubs and seasonings to enjoy with your families and friends, uh, competitors, judges. Judges seem to like it a lot. Sterling won his first time out this year with his Big Papa Rubs, of course. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everybody, Granny's traditionally a powerful flavor. Remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. They also sell grills and smokers, and you know this. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Cooker. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you're not sure what you need, give him a call at 877-828-0727 or shop the website BigPopSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredible.
continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And this portion brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro. Stephen DeFranco, barbecue jeweler to the stars, just picked up his fireboard today. That's right. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously, connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home. You're in luck. It's fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. Fireboard 2. Fireboard 2 Drive and Fireboard 2 Pro. Yes. All right, we thank Mike Lang again. Head on over to his website, anotherpintplease.com. You can order his book there. You can go to wherever books are being sold. It is still in pre-order right now. It will be released and or starting to deliver on the 11th. So you have just a week right now to wait, and then it will start showing up on your front porch, and you can start reading and doing one bill, uh, one beer grilling recipe. And what a great guest he is. Concise, to the point, answering well, looks good, sounds good. Take notes, folks. This is what a great guest looks and sounds like. Thank you, Mike. Anotherpointplease.com. Get the book. All right, let's go ahead and refresh libations as we point to the second hour. Stick around. We will be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. 